What's up, everybody? I'm Pastor Tim. It's a joy to join you online, wherever you're watching from. Hey, it's the last weekend of May, and our buildings at Liquid Church here in New Jersey are still closed. And so I want to let you know what the plan is for June. Uh, first off, you need to know this. Through this entire pandemic, our church has never closed. I mean, our buildings are temporarily shut, but our church is more open, alive, and vibrant than ever. In fact, you should have seen the hive of activity happening at our broadcast campus this week in Parsippany. Check this out. We have turned our church warehouse into a storehouse, distributing emergency meals, food, relief supplies to hard-hit neighbors. This is footage from our parking lot security camera this week. Over 400 cars lined up bumper to bumper to receive emergency food from liquid volunteers. As you can see, eight cars at a time would pull up, pop their trunk, and we drop in enough food to feed a family of four for an entire month. Guys, I could not believe the line of cars of people who are food insecure. Um, widows, senior citizens, single parents, the unemployed, quarantined families. Now to date, listen to this, you guys have distributed over 100,000 pounds of free food to more than 10,000 families spread across 12 New Jersey counties. Can we give God a praise for that? Come on, let's light up the chat, people. Guys, I'm so proud of your heart in giving generously to the COVID-19 Financial Impact Fund. That's what makes all of this possible, so thank you. I hope you see from that video, our church is more alive than ever, amen? Guys, remember, we don't go to church, we are the church. So remember, while our buildings are temporarily closed, we are in a vital mission with Jesus. We are serving our neighbors in need across our state. So I want you to know a couple things. First, we're beginning to make plans now for the eventual reopening of our buildings, but we're taking things slow because the health and safety of liquid families is our number one priority. Uh, here in New Jersey, gathering sizes are still limited, and we're taking our time to work out new safety procedures, best practices, and really figure out the best timetable to bring our volunteers and the vulnerable back into our buildings. So I want you to know this. Our buildings will remain closed through the remainder of June. And we're gonna continue live streaming services online as we work on a roadmap for regathering in person. But I need your help. Next week, we're gonna release a community survey and we want your input. We wanna understand your family's needs and expectations when we eventually return to in-person services. So stay tuned for this, okay? Next week, and we'll release that survey and your feedback will help kind of shape our game plan for regathering everybody together. Does that sound good? So two things, guys, stay safe and stay flexible. We're gonna to get to the other side. And when we do, I know our church will be stronger than ever. Amen, give me an amen in the chat. Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Surviving the Dip, which you just saw the bumper for. Anybody else here like roller coasters? Make some noise in the chat if you like roller coasters. I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with coasters. I grew up going to a great adventure down in Jackson, New Jersey. And that is home to King the Ka which opened as the tallest and fastest roller coaster in the world back in 2005. This train climbs the track straight up into the sky. Click, 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 click. Over 450 feet you go up before dropping 400 feet into a death-defying dip called the drop of doom. <laughs> some, some of you are getting sick just kind of looking at this thing. It's crazy. Just as you like hit the top, you then free fall 418 feet into this dip and the coaster then hits a record 128 miles an hour. The whole ride only lasts 12 seconds, okay? It's over just as you begin to pee a little bit. So I remember when this thing first opened, I remember kids would wear these t-shirts, I survived King Ka. I survived the dip. And isn't life like that? Like it's not always, you know, straight up and to the right. I mean, if the last four months have taught us anything, it's that life can kind of 
bottom out with no warning. Let me show you what I mean. It's like this pandemic, right? It's a dip. We're up and now all of a sudden we're down. We're in an economic dip right now, right? We flatten the curve, but life as we know it has kind of bottomed out. It can kind of get your stomach in knots if you think about it. The pandemic peaked and then it dropped. The economy was up, then it bottomed out. Everything's normal until we hit a global dip. And let's be honest, guys, this is where some folks check out on their faith. Because right in this dip is when we start having our doubts. Like, hey, where's God when life hits a dip? I, I thought life was supposed to be up and to the right. But everywhere I turn, things to be falling apart. My work is dipping. Maybe your financial life is in flux. Or maybe the health of somebody you love has crashed. Maybe your marriage has hit a dip. Or you just look at the world and you see the, the violence and the racism and the suffering. And it's like sickening. Like, where's God when life bottoms out? Well, today we're going to learn how to survive the dip by a roller coaster expert by the name of Habakkuk. Can you say this? I'm going to draw his name up here. Habakkuk. It's kind of a weird name. It's a Hebrew name. It's actually an Akkadian loan word. And Habakkuk is a roller coaster expert. He had some hard questions for God. He looked at the world around him and he saw all this suffering and violence and injustice. And he went through a dip, a dip of doubt. In fact, the name Habakkuk actually means to wrestle, to, to put your arms around somebody and wrestle or embrace them. So if you've ever wrestled with trusting God when life is hard, good news. Habakkuk says, you are in a prime position to grow spiritually. Now, he's going to teach us a secret that if you lean in during the difficult times, your dip of doubt can actually slingshot you to a whole nother level spiritually and even deeper trust in the God of the dip. So let's dive into the book of Habakkuk. You can open your Bible with me or you can click the link online. I'll put it up on the screen as well. Um, Habakkuk is a very short book. You need to know it's only three chapters long. In fact, you could read the whole thing in 15 minutes. I'd encourage you to do it this week. But today I want to look just at the first chapter in a message I'm calling Wrestling with God. Because we're going to go chapter by chapter through Habakkuk and we're going to wrestle with hard questions. Like why does God let the wicked win? Why do good people get sick and suffer? When we pray, why doesn't God just stop the pandemic? Why does God sometimes seem silent in the face of so much evil? Habakkuk had hard questions for God. And I want to warn you, there ain't no easy answers here, guys. This isn't a sitcom sermon where I'm going to give you a solution in 22 minutes. Rather, I'm going to set the tension today and we're going to wrestle with Habakkuk and see how the God of the dip welcomes your doubt. So let's dive in. Habakkuk chapter one, we'll start at verse two where the prophet had these hard questions for God. He said this, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Habakkuk says, verse four, the law has become paralyzed. There's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. In other words, Habakkuk's like, my whole world is jacked up. Where are you, God? In fact, in my Bible, chapter one says, Habakkuk's complaints. Did you know it's okay to complain to God? I mean, Habakkuk has a beef. Everywhere he looks in the world around him, things are falling to pieces. It's like, how long, oh Lord, do I have to call for help? But you don't listen. Anybody ever feel like you pray, but God's not listening? He's like, violence is everywhere. I actually cry. I'm grieving. You don't come to save me. Look at the things he lists. He says, there's violence, evil deeds, misery. He says, wherever I look, there's destruction and violence. We've seen that this week in our world, our culture. Incredible racism and violence. I'm surrounded by people 
who loved to argue and fight. So clearly Habakkuk was on Facebook too. <laughs> I joke, but you got to understand what was happening in his world. Habakkuk lived around 612 BC in Judah. That's the southern kingdom of Israel. And there was an event rocking his world. His culture was corrupt, but Babylon was about to become the dominant world power. And the Babylonians were ruthless. They were brutal. They slaughtered women and children, took them as slaves. And so Habakkuk looked at his world. He's like, God, why do the wicked seem to be winning? Why is there evil in the world? He took these hard questions to God. He said, look at the culture, Lord. The law has become paralyzed. There's no justice in the courts and the wicked outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. That described any, any symptoms of our culture? Injustice, violence, suffering. What's up with that, God? You're the Holy One and you're letting this happen to your people. Habakkuk's complaints are very raw, aren't they? But notice, they're very real. You and I can relate because we've all got hard questions for God. I mean, maybe your question is like, God, why did my child, why was he born with a disability? Or God, why, why did I get laid off? The first to get laid off. Why is everyone I know married, God, and I'm still alone? God, why did you let the cancer come back? If you've ever wrestled with questions of, of doubt and pain, you're in good company. Habakkuk is all about questions for God. He's your man. In fact, most Old Testament prophets, they brought God's word to the people, but Habakkuk is different. He brought people's hard questions to God. In our day and age, he might be saying, God, I don't get it. There was that drunk driver on his fourth DUI, and he crashes into a car, kills a four-year-old girl. What do you have to say for that, God? Or what about the woman who keeps hopping from bed to bed to bed, and she gets pregnant over and over again and aborts her babies over and over? And we're just a godly couple who love Jesus. Our only prayer is to start a family, and we can't conceive. God, what do you have to say for yourself? It's hard when life takes this dip. Now, if you're taking notes, Habakkuk has three basic problems with God. The first one, he's saying, God, you don't seem to care. You're just like letting all these things go on in our world that don't seem fair. You ever have that happen? Like you get a promotion maybe to start the year, but you're the first one to get furloughed. And you're like, that's not fair. Or maybe you're a student and you worked your tail off studying for final exams and now classes are canceled, the test is online, it's not what you prepared for, and maybe graduation is getting canceled or postponed. So you work your butt off for four years and nothing's turned out like what you thought. God, what you're allowing doesn't seem fair. In other words, Habakkuk's saying, if I were in your shoes, God, I'd just do something totally different, be honest. How many of you ever thought something like that? All right, you looked at something, a situation in your life, like you see this, this, this devoted dad of three kids and he dies from COVID. And you think, that's not fair. You see an African-American guy getting choked out in the street again. How long, oh Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Violence everywhere. You're supposed to be a God of justice. And you aren't doing much when you could. Now notice something. There's, there's a tone of respect in this complaint. Because the back is saying, God, I know you're all powerful. I believe you can do anything. It's in your power. But if you could do this one little thing with just a, a flick of your finger, why don't you do it? I mean, if I were in your shoes, God, I'd do it. I don't know why you're not acting when you could fill in the blank. What would it be for you? End this pandemic? God, I don't know why you're, you're not helping me overcome depression or heal my sick child or bring racial unity. Why do you just let it linger on, God? What's up with that? Habakkuk had hard questions, and he was not afraid to get up in God's grill and ask him, which makes some of us uncomfortable. Because a lot of believers think it's not okay to question God this way. Like even some of you are like, 
this sounds disrespectful. <laughs> and we worry, like, is God, is he going to like strike me with lightning if I, if I ask him questions? Understand something. Habakkuk loved God. He had a very rich faith, but like a lot of Christians, one day he crashed headfirst into a wall. When the things that he saw didn't line up with what he believed, it became a struggle for him. Remember that name Habakkuk means to, to wrestle. And so he's wrestling and struggling with what he sees, which leads us to a powerful truth. If you're, in, if you're struggling today, you're in a crisis, I believe this truth will set you free. Listen, Habakkuk teaches us that a deeply committed Christian can have both questions and faith simultaneously at the same time. Do you know? God doesn't just tolerate your hard questions. He actually welcomes them it, it, because it's a sign you're ready to wrestle. You're ready to lean in and understand his ways. See, asking questions is the opposite of indifference. It shows that you care deeply. When the brokenness of the world doesn't line up with the character of the God you love, you, you, you Habakkuk, you, you wrestle. So here's a question for you, and I want you to type it in the chat. Here we are. Ready, guys? If you had one question asked God, what would you ask him? Maybe like Habakkuk, it's, God, why are you letting such and such happen? God, why are you doing more in this situation? If you're online right now, I want you to take a minute to type in and complete this question, God, why, and type the first question that comes to your mind. I'm going to actually include a few of your questions in next week's sermon. It could be, if you're like, God, why did you let my brother die at such a young age? God, why don't you, don't be shy. God, God why don't, why don't, don't, God's not going to be offended. He's not going to punish you. If, if you ask him, God, why do I, I struggle with depression and bipolar? He's not going to hit you then with hemorrhoids, okay? This is an important step in building your faith. And by typing your question, you're actually affirming this. It's possible for a deeply committed Christian to have both questions and faith simultaneously. So just type it in the chat. Let Habakkuk inspire you with these bold questions for God. In verse 13, you'll notice he actually compliments God's character and questions his seeming indifference to evil. He says, God, you're pure. You can't even stand the sight of evil. Will you just like wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Do you hear his struggle? He, he might look at our world and say, God, wh why do you let gunmen massacre students in schools? God, why do you let the, the rich get wealthier off the poor? It's okay. God welcomes tough questions. In fact, I'd argue, to question God and really wrestle with him isn't evidence that your faith is weak, but watch, it's about to grow deeper. In fact, he's gonna take it to a whole nother level. I'm gonna say that again and let that sink in. What if actually expressing your doubts is the first step to growing your faith to a whole new level of trust? See, questions for God aren't a sign that your faith is weak, but that it's about to grow to a whole nother level. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. Let's go back to roller coasters, okay? Because the way coasters are designed, as you know, is based on physics. First, you got to go up, then you go down in order to go all the way up again. You guys get how a roller coaster works, right? You go up the mountain, then there's momentum, and it slingshots you to the next height. But did you know it? That this is actually spiritual physics, too. This is how God deepens your faith. I want you to watch this. For some people, I've noticed their spiritual journey goes something like this. 
I'm going to draw an X here. And let's say this is the moment you're actually not a Christian yet, but what happens? God starts stirring, stirring something in your heart. I've talked to people who've been like, Tim, I heard this song on the radio. And then I talked to a Christian friend and they gave me something to read and prayed for me. And then they, they invited me to church and, and I went to church and oh, church didn't suck. I love the music. The sermon was okay. Uh, but God spoke to me and my gosh, this stuff is actually beginning to make sense. And I can't believe it, but I actually think I think I'm becoming one of them. And you actually give your life to Christ. This is the moment where you kind of join the club. I'm just going to joke around, but I think I'd say, this is where you drink the Jesus juice. <laughs> I, I'm now a, a Christ follower. I can't believe it. My life is changing. And, and your friends see, and you're like, oh, I liked you better the other way. But, but you, everything now just pops, right? The, your, your eyes open. You go to church and you're like, man, that message was just for me. I open the Bible and it just pops off the page. It's like God's speaking to me. You don't just follow Lord, you talk with him. He, you pray and he answers your prayers. You're like, I, I read that verse this morning. I prayed, there was a, a parking spot opened, right? But then you know what happens. Eventually, I find for people, reality hits and life isn't always up and to the right. In fact, as we know how momentum works, one day you go to church and you're like, you know what? I didn't get anything out of that message. Hmm. Maybe it's Tim. I didn't like the music very much. It's not touching me anymore. It, it, maybe you pray, and instead of answering your prayers, the opposite happens. Someone you prayed for actually gets sicker. Maybe they die, or there's an accident, and it didn't turn out the way that you thought it was, and you experience what Henry Blackaby calls a crisis of belief, a crisis. In other words, what you currently see no longer matches what you previously believed. And so you're like, I don't know what to believe anymore. You're having a crisis of faith. And guys, this is a decision point. What I've noticed at this moment is that people go in one of two directions. Either people wanna go back to the mountaintop, right? I'm gonna go back and I just wanna live in victory, right? And so they still say, you know, say like, you know, that I, I, have, I have cancer, but you know, in Jesus' name, I'm healed, no negative thoughts, I don't need any treatment or anything. I just, I'm claiming victory, right? Or I lost my job, the check's in the mail, you know, away from me, spirit of poverty. It's kind of living in denial. They just wanna live the mountaintop. Or people, instead of going back, they just give up on their faith. They say, you know what? I don't know if any of this was real to begin with. How could a good God allow this to happen to me? I feel betrayed. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I'm not sure I can trust him. And they wonder, was any of this real to begin with? And that seed of faith gets choked and they actually give up and walk away from faith. Two choices, go back or give up. That's what a lot of people hit a wall in their faith. And maybe that describes you or somebody you know. Maybe you're the one in crisis or, or you've lost somebody or something you loved. Maybe a relationship came apart. A dream was, was shattered and God's not answering your prayers. And so you're thinking about going back. What do you do when what you currently see here no longer corresponds to what you previously believed here? Well, you can go back or give up or you can choose the most difficult road and say, God, I'm going to lean in and embrace you. And here's what will happen. God will take you on a journey, and even though this journey may actually bottom out even more, it may get harder, things may not magically get fixed all at once. Here's what happened. Listen to me. If you continue to stick with God, no matter what he does, at some point, he will begin to take your faith, the spiritual momentum, to a whole nother level of trust and intimacy and dependency on knowing him that you've ever had before in your life 
life only if you're willing to go through this. You know what that is? That is what I call the dip. The dip of doubt. And watch this, guys. Every Christian goes through this at some point. Every one of us. The dip of doubt is very difficult. It's hard. This season, nobody likes to go through the dip of doubt. But this season is something that, listen to me, what if this wasn't just a painful valley meant to destroy your faith or derail you? What if your spiritual journey worked like a roller coaster does? Anybody else like roller coasters? I remember my kids were little. We take them every summer to the boardwalk in Ocean City, and we go on, not King to Ka, but this little caterpillar coaster. And as the coaster would climb the hill, click, 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 my little girl, Chase, she'd be like, no! She'd push her arms back to see how she'd be screaming, no! And I'd say, Chasey, don't resist. Lean into it. Lean in, Chase. Why? Because if you lean in, the momentum of the coaster will slingshot you up the other side. Well, the same is true of spiritual physics. This dip of doubt actually has a slingshot effect and can give you the spiritual momentum to take you to a new level of intimacy and trust, watch this, in the character of God, where your faith is not based on circumstances, but this deep trust in God's goodness in spite of your situation. Now, guys, I know this because I've been through it. I remember when my uh, first dip of doubt happened as an adult. It was when my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, there's my dad right there. You can kind of see him. It's where I get the hair from. <laughs> and everything in my life had been kind of smooth up to this point. It was smooth sailing. Our family lived on the Jesus juice. No major curveballs. And then out of the blue one day, my dad was rushed to the hospital. He was diagnosed with lymphoma. And his body threw a blood clot. He actually almost died. And my family was shocked to our core. Uh, three questions haunted my heart. Like Habakkuk, I, I watched this. I had a crisis of belief. And I said, God... You don't seem to care because if you did, you'd see the pain my dad's in, the grief my mom's going through. It's crushing our family. God, what you're allowing doesn't seem fair. My, my, my father is a godly man. He's an incredible dad, a faithful husband, loves Jesus, served tirelessly in the church his whole life. And this is what he gets. He, he gets a deadly disease with crushing chemotherapy. That's not fair, God. You aren't doing very much. When you could, our family said, God, we believe you can heal my dad. We prayed for others. We've seen you do it. We knew Jesus had the power to cure his cancer. We're like, so why aren't you answering our prayers when we know you could? Guys, at the beginning of this dip, our family had a lot of hard questions for God. We were in crisis. Watch this. What we saw with our eyes wasn't matching up what we believed with our heads. And so there was a gap. But as we leaned in, this is what's interesting. Let me find another color. Oh, orange. As we lived into that dip of doubt, we actually found that my dad's cancer was not curable and that we were going to be here a while. It's actually one of those that you try to get a remission for. And it was one day at a time, one scan at a time, up and down, up and down for 15 years. We learned to live day by day trusting in the goodness of a loving and just God. That even though my earthly father was struggling, my heavenly father was actually holding us in the palm of his hand. And you know what happened? Over my father's cancer journey, through that chronic illness, we began learning that we had to find a different source of happiness. Because happiness is based on happenings. But joy is depending on Jesus. 
not our circumstances, but the unshakable character of Christ, that he who began a work is able and would complete it until my father went home to be with him. But understand something. Intellectually, I knew that was true. It wasn't until we leaned into the dip of doubt that my whole family learned to, to embrace, to hold on to God in a new way. Because suddenly faith wasn't just praise Jesus when everything's going smooth. We're going to worship him when, when life is hard. In this dark valley of cancer, guys, it was like a slingshot, a spiritual slingshot that took us to a whole nother level of mature, deep faith and intimacy with our Savior, Jesus. And when I look back now, I mean, that was 15 years of remission before my dad finally went home to be with Jesus. We realized we could only get there through the dip of doubt. This was the catalyst. This was the slingshot. This was the very thing that took us to new heights in our intimacy and trust with our God. Guys, this is the secret of spiritual maturity. This is how God grows your muscles in faith. He leads you on a journey through the dip. In fact, check this out. There's a verse in James that actually, I think, captures this journey perfectly. James writes, consider it pure joy, my brothers. Woo, Jesus, choose joy. <laughs> Whenever you experience trials, trials of many kinds, multiple problems, because you know that the testing of your faith in the dip develops perseverance and perseverance must complete its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, just like Jesus. It's not a verse we love, but it's one we can hold on to. Maybe you're in a dip today. Maybe you're about to go into one and you're like, can I, can I really trust God when everything around me seems on a downward spiral? Maybe in the last four months, you've lost something precious in your life. Maybe you lost your income, your health, a loved one. Maybe a dream you had got broken or, or something blew up in your face and you're doubting and it's got you debating. You're, you're right here. You're like, Tim, I'm in that crisis. Do I go back or do I give up? And yet behind the scenes, God is working. He is planning to use this crisis to bring you a new level of maturity and trust in Christ. But watch this. You have to lean in, Chasey. You've got to Habakkuk, hold on and embrace him. Guys, this is chapter one of Habakkuk, wrestling with God. And this is when a lot of people honestly walk away from their faith but it can be a vital part of your journey with Jesus. If you actually confess, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I trust you anyway. I trust you enough to come to you with my questions like Habakkuk. If you read the rest of chapter one, you'll see God answers Habakkuk in the dip. He doesn't give the answer he wants. He says in verse five, the Lord replied, all right, you want answers? Look around the nations, look and be amazed. Habakkuk, I'm doing something in your day you wouldn't even believe if someone told you about it. God's like, you want answers? <laughs> when I tell you what's next, it's going to rock your world. And in verses 6 through 11, God says, yeah, things are, are bad now, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They were like the ISIS of the ancient world. They're going to march across the world and conquer other lands. These were bloodthirsty barbarians. And God says, I'm actually going to raise up the Babylonians, a nation infinitely more wicked and violent than Israel, and for your good. I'm going to allow the Babylonians to destroy and decimate Israel as a way of judging their sin and drawing them back to me. And Habakkuk's jaw 
must have dropped. Like, God, that's your answer? Everything's going bad in my world, and your answer is like, let's make even worse people destroy it. God, I don't, I don't get that. That's not right. It's not fair. It rocks my world, and it rattles my faith. Guys, read the rest of chapter one in your small group this week. There, it's not a sitcom book of the Bible. No easy answers, but watch this. Habakkuk is structured this way. Chapter one is all about wrestling with God. But chapter two that we're going to get into next week is all about waiting on God. What do you do when you're in this dip and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and sometimes this seems like it's forever. But watch this. If you wait patiently on God, he will eventually take you to a place, chapter three, where you worship him in a brand new way because he's the God of the dip and he is good and he can be trusted. Will you hold on? Will you lean in? Will you wrestle? Will you embrace Jesus? Guys, if your faith is grounded in circumstances, it's going to be up and down your whole life. But if it's rooted in the character of Christ, you have a rock-solid foundation. You will know Jesus in a deeper way when you go through the dip because of what he's brought you through. In fact, next week we'll get into chapter 2, talk about waiting on God. How do you actually do that? And then 3 after that. But I want to talk to those of you who are in chapter 1 today. You're wrestling with God. You are familiar with the dip. What do you do? You know what you do? You do the Habakkuk. It means you embrace him. You wrestle. Remember, the meaning of Habakkuk is to wrestle or embrace. To wrestle or embrace. I used to wrestle a little bit in high school. You know how a wrestling match begins? You guys might know. You lock arms and you lean in and then you hold on. And you go back and forth and you may say, God, I don't understand all this. But you embrace God and you never let go because no matter what happens, I can promise you this, God will never let go of you. How do we know? Guys, the reason we can trust Habakkuk and trust this whole journey of faith that you're in is because 600 years after Habakkuk came a man from heaven who trusted God's heart completely. His name was Jesus. And Jesus' life wasn't just unfair. He suffered the ultimate injustice in human history. God's son was nailed to a cross, a cruel Roman cross. And evil seemed to triumph in this moment so completely that even Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, Jesus entered the dip. He experienced pain, betrayal, abandonment. And through it all, he never let go of God. Jesus trusted his heavenly father even unto death. And because of that, Jesus is our ultimate Habakkuk. He suffered for your sins with his blood so you could be saved. And watch this, reconciled to God the Father. You know, it's funny. The day after Jesus died, his disciples, they were in the dip. They said, this thing is dead. They had to wait a whole weekend. Friday, nothing. Saturday, nothing. But three days later on Sunday, baby, oh man, they were worshiping on a whole new level. They said, he's not the God of the dead. He's, he's the, the God who conquered the grave. There's life beyond the dip. I want to let you know today, there's life beyond your dip. We all love chapter three, resurrection. But listen, before you get the crown, there comes a cross. And that hurts. Crosses are painful. 
But Jesus says, you can take your father's hand, you can give him your hard questions, and if you hold on to him through it, there is an eternal reward awaiting you on the other side. Guys, Jesus is our Habakkuk. And that is what sets Christianity apart. Your savior survived the dip, and he's saying, I don't want you to go back. No, no, that's not you. Don't give in. Trust me. Lean in like Habakkuk. Hold on to me because Jesus has gone through it. And he's promised, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Amen? Guys, this is a moment for some of you to embrace Jesus. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you have been wrestling with God or you're in the dip right now. You're like, Tim, that's me. Take a screenshot of this, by the way. Give him a good picture of this because you may want to take a screenshot in and say, God, where do you have me? I'm wrestling with you. Do you have me waiting? Don't walk away. Embrace Jesus. Make him your Lord and Savior right now. Today's the day to put your trust in Christ. You don't have to have all the answers. Habakkuk says, I got more questions than answers. He can handle your questions, but you have to open your heart. So let's bow our heads for prayer right now. Father, I pray right now for every person who's struggling today. Lord, we want to believe but they're in a crisis or they're having a hard time trusting you. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, would you right now come gently, flood their heart with the warmth and love and grace of Jesus. Let us know, Father, you are here for us and Jesus is living and we can trust you completely with our life. If you're praying right now, everyone is praying and you've never given your life to Christ, just invite him in right now. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. I need you. Rescue me. Save me. I trust you today. I believe you died and I believe you conquered the grave and you're living. So come into me and bring me to spiritual life. I'll follow you, God. I don't have all the answers. Thank you for making room for my questions. Lead me in your way and I'll walk with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just thank you for new believers. I pray that that you'd lead all of us now to a place of maturity and growth in Christ, that even if life doesn't go the way we think, Jesus, help us hold on, Lord, embrace you and trust you for who you are. I pray for all those who are in the dip right now wrestling, that sometime soon, Father, as they wait, you turn the page and they'd be on the other side, emerging with a richer, deeper faith in Jesus that couldn't come any other way. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, welcome new believers to the family of God. It's great to be with you. And before you go, let me challenge you this week. Read the book of Habakkuk for yourself. It'll take you 15 minutes. Bring your questions to God. I'll share some of yours next week, and I'll see you for part two of Surviving the Dip.